2: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin here with the Rotoviz Fantasy football podcast. We're two of the owners here at rotoviz.com, and it is Tuesday night, which means we have week three game level similarity projections ready for you. We're going to go ahead and show you what that looks like on the site. So if you're not a subscriber, uh, you can get a look and uh, get a, a sneak peek at the look and the feel of uh, what this data looks like every week. Dave's going to take us through some of his more interesting plays at the top end and the low end. And and we're going to also just put you on, you know, who uh, the tool really likes for week three and every week that goes by, it's just the nature of the tool, Dave, every week that goes by, we get a little bit more accurate uh, with the projections for 2022.
3: Yeah, we certainly do. And already Curtis, it's pretty fun to start looking through the results because you're seeing some names get in there in the higher ranges that you would not have seen in the past. And there's definitely been some movement up and down the boards uh, now that we have two weeks of 2022 data flowing into the tool. And it does give much more credit to the two most recent weeks uh, than any of the other ranges that it kind of sweeps through. So definitely some exciting stuff here. Hopefully we get some questions in the chat and we can start making our way through.
2: Yeah, you read my mind, man. Just uh, throwing that up on the screen there. Looks like we've already got some people jumping in um, during this show. As we're going position by position, we will try to keep track of any players that you're curious about. Maybe you want to know between two quarterbacks who's got the higher ceiling this week. We can tell you uh, that the tool knows. Maybe you have a, a really difficult flex decision and you want to know what does the data say? Uh, Or maybe you don't care what the data says and you just want a gut feel from Dave or myself. We can do that too, Uh, but we prefer to start uh, with the tools. So you can leave that stuff in the chat. We are going to kind of go sequentially through the starting lineup. So we'll start with quarterback, then running back, then wide receiver, then tight end. So kind of just kind of keep that in mind um, as you throw stuff in there for us to consider. Let's go ahead and share this beautiful beast on the screen and get into this thing, Dave. So we're going to start with... The quarterback position, I'm going to zoom in so people can see kind of what's going on here. Uh, It always pulls up an interesting player when you you go to the site uh, and you pull up the tools page. You go to game level similarity projections. This is where all of our stuff each week will post. And it pulls up an interesting player at the quarterback position. But what we want to do first is just go to the master list. This is everybody's projection at the quarterback position this week. As you can kind of see, just orienting yourself to the table, Dave, we've got it sorted by average projection. And again, the way this tool works, if you're refreshing yourself, it takes the 50 most uh, recent um, and close sims of players similar to the player against defenses similar to the defense the player is going to go against. So Josh Allen, it's taking other super high-end quarterbacks with production profiles similar to him against Uh, teams like the Miami Dolphins, uh, who he is playing this weekend. So that's kind of how it works. And you can see what his average PPR, his uh, sim group, rather their average PPR output was in those 50 samples. And then we can get a distribution of number of games with less than five PPR all the way up to greater than 25 PPR. And we can also sort by percentiles. That's what I really like to do. I'm an optimist, Dave. I want to see what will it look like if everything goes right for the players on my roster in a given week? So I love to just come in here and sort by the 75th percentile tab. I know you can probably help bring me back down (laughs) as we get uh, through the positions a little bit, but just running down the top five, we already have some two big surprises in my opinion here. And I'd I'd be curious as to your take on what's driving uh, the Sims. And then we will get into some interesting plays here. So Josh Allen to, to no one's surprise, Uh, leading the way with a 75th percentile uh, projection this week of 31.3 PPR. That would just be another day at the office for Josh Allen. That's pretty much uh, how it's been this year. Justin Herbert, uh, 29.3 PPR. Of course, it would be interesting to know if Keenan Allen is uh, for sure going to be available to him this week. Uh, The the tool would not know that, obviously. Marcus Mariota and Jerry Delagotti, actually, this is perfect timing. Uh, He asks "Mariota versus Hertz. Well, we can see on the screen here, Mariota actually has the third highest 75th percentile projection in week three at over 25 PPR rounding out the top five. We've got Kyler Murray and then Baker Mayfield. Um, Yeah, we're going to want to pay attention to his 25th percentile outcome today, but um, any comments there on the top five and do you, Dare take on Jerry's question of Mariota versus Hertz this Yeah, week.
3: For, for sure. So, one of the things that you're seeing here with players that are starting to get into the top level ranges here on a weekly basis that you might not expect, like Mariota, is that he has rushing production. And at this point yeah. in the fantasy landscape, a lot of the quarterbacks that are producing very strong performances have rushing production. So across his recent games, he has enough touchdowns, and enough rushing yards that he's starting to match two players yep. like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, players that have had put up Lamar Jackson, you know, that type of player. So he's getting pulled into that group. So that's one thing I might have to think about how we start to address that, you know, if the quarterback position continues to change. With that in mind, though, there's definitely some credence to it. Right. Like it is also looking at more than just the rushing, but that's one of the things that's contributing to a strong grouping. Having said that, if I were choosing between Hertz or Mariota, I would be going Hertz all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's,
2: um, that's where, that's where we have to, we just have to adjust. I mean, nobody's playing this position uh, appreciably better than Hertz. Um, So for Mariota versus Hertz, you know, regardless of what the, the tool says, um now now while in a super flex situation it might make me feel starting Mariota over other non quarterbacks or you know whether it gives me some confidence to play Mariota in DFS uh this week or take him as a discount cash option uh potentially even because the 18 PPR at the 50th percentile is actually pretty strong too uh this week Jerry so it, it would put me on Mariota from that perspective yeah I there's really nothing that's going to cause me to sit Jalen Hurts short of like us knowing that his legs are going to be tied together before kickoff,
3: <laughs> dude. Even then, he might be okay. <laughs> he, yeah, he really he's throwing might, the ball. a better, be okay. man.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go back over to, uh, to the list because I want to get I want to get your takes maybe uh, yeah. on some of these other players in the top five. We can even sort here if you want to be a little bit more responsible. We can go back to sorting by. Um, the average uh, rather than the 75th percentile and and see if anybody jumps out to you that way.
3: Yeah, sure. So I think one player that I talked about yesterday that we need to remind people about again, just in case that didn't set in is Carson Wentz. Uh, I had mentioned that at the point that we were recording it, he was, I think at that time, the QB um, two out of players that had played two games. You have Allen and Hurts moving ahead of him. But he's still the QB4 at this point. I said that he already should have been off of the waiver wire. But again, we see a really <clears throat> strong projection for Wentz. We see him scoring very highly. And um 36% of his matches went above 20 points, had 10% Over 25, not coming with quite as much upside this week as some other options, but it's getting really hard to ignore Carson Wentz. And if you were, I think now that the GLSP is projecting him in a weekly basis in the top 10, you really need to start paying attention. So I think that his name is one that's noteworthy. Uh, You know, beyond him, the other name that I'll call out, and he's not at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. but the tool is picking up Geno Smith as somebody uh, that you could turn to if you're in a super flex league and you need a quarterback, uh, you know, that might have more upside than you would anticipate for a player that's possibly available or perhaps you have on your bench. Uh, He has an average of around 18 points This week, 75th percentile projection of around 23, uh, you know, mainly concentrated in that 10 to 20 point range, uh, but does have approximately uh, 26, uh, 36 percent of his matches actually occurred is still going above 20. So for, you know, a guy like Geno Smith, that's not bad.
2: Yeah, so let's let's uh let's transition this into some start sit stuff. I want to go back to Carson Wentz. Yep. Um, and then and then get into some of the other players that maybe you'd have some decision points against. Like, you know, with two weeks of sample from Carson Wentz and how good he's looked uh, distributing the ball, you know, I think we can feel confident about playing him over players like even Aaron Rodgers, who's going to have a matchup, you know, at Tampa Bay. Yep. Um, doesn't seem to have seen any of those receivers really. Come to the forefront in a in a way that would give you confidence about him being a strong fantasy producer quite yet. Now maybe fully healthy, Alan Lazard this week rather than um, gritted out uh, for the Gipper, Uh, Alan Lazard. Maybe that will help. But yeah, I would feel very confident starting Carson Wentz over some of those other like back end. QB1s or high-end QB2s from an ADP perspective. You know, we're two weeks into the season now, and we're starting to see what some of these offenses really look like. That being said, even though Carson Wentz is the QB4, you know, I'm still probably not going to be starting him over, you know, any of those top QBs that have some of that uh, rushing upside. Like, you know, Kyler Murray hasn't really been lights out yet. I'm still probably not starting Carson Wentz over Kyler Murray, for example. So if you have, you know, some of those high-end guys and Wentz was your QB2, don't get too cute quite yet, um, but I think it's fair uh, to, to start him over a back end guy. And then for Gino, you know, if, if you if disaster has struck for you, um, you didn't get the adjustment that you wanted after Dak Prescott went down last week, or maybe you were riding somebody like Matt Ryan and you're just like, oh my gosh, how do I get out of this? Or you lost Trey Lance last week and Jimmy Garoppolo is already rostered. You know, those are some options that you have, um, assuming that Wince is already gone. Uh, We have some other questions coming in. One of them is quarterback related. So let's hit this from Alex uh, Levy here before we go on to the other positions, Dave. Yep. Best Lance replacement for week three and beyond. He says, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, uh, Geno Smith, Jimmy G, and Jacoby Brissett, all available. Um I've got my thoughts. There's other tools that actually we can consult for this uh, without making this show too start sit heavy. But we can actually go into the strength of schedule streaming app um, it, once we narrow this down to maybe one or two guys and see what the next handful of weeks uh, look like. When, when I look at this now, um, I'm starting to think about what does the surrounding cast of characters look like and what's the offensive context look like. Um, so Mariota. You know, the Falcons, you know, figure to continue to be in a lot of trailing game scripts. He is, um, of the guys on this list, the only one that I think will reliably produce with his legs. So that raises his floor and his ceiling. So he's on the short list for me here. Jared Goff, um, you know, the Lions are scoring a lot of points and allowing a lot of points. Um, So, you know, I think Goff will continue to be an interesting streamer and, you know, potentially a guy that you could rely on a little bit. And with him having DeAndre Swift producing as a receiver out of the backfield, even some of those checkdowns can be uh, productive. Jimmy Garoppolo has been, you know, usable in the last couple of years, and most of that cast of characters is hel- uh, healthy, except for George Kittle. Those would be the three that that I would be looking to narrow this down to, and eliminating Gino and Jacoby, unless you uh, feel strongly about one of those two guys.
3: Yeah. So when I actually looked at that, you know, my initial reaction was to go with Garoppolo. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think that there's consideration to be made for Mariota and Goff. And honestly, I think I would take a swing here on Goff and that lions team continuing, like you said, to be in game situations that are going to allow him to put up a lot of points continues to connect with St. Brown. I actually think, and also when I factor in the schedule, I would give Goff a shot as long as this is a league where it's okay to go mm-hmm. ahead and drop him and add another guy later on. That's, that's actually where I would start.
2: So let's take a look and see if we can find somebody that has a favorable schedule over the next couple of weeks, since it sounds like we've got a little bit of alignment on three of those five guys. This is our strength of schedule streaming app on the site. Um, It is uh, one of our in season tools. You can customize uh, the weeks of the season that you want to look at. Uh, You can just look at the next week and then obviously you can, you know, pick your uh, position. I've got a custom range. I'm trying to find somebody for Alex that would be usable for the next four weeks here And that's a long time when you get into the streaming situation, but most of these quarterbacks are in solidified roles here. So let's see if any of these guys uh, rise to the top. Juno Smith actually does have a pretty favorable schedule uh, showing up near the top of the tool amongst the guys that that were mentioned there. We get into the bottom half, I think, for the rest of these guys. Jimmy G has the toughest schedule of the ones that we've mentioned uh, with Jared Goff only being one spot better. Let's see if of we can course, find though,
3: one thing that, that I, I do Go think ahead. is yeah. important to call out here is this is sweeping back eight games. And obviously sure. so there's we have been some, been end of year, been last some stuff turnover, there. right? There's, yeah. there's been some turnovers on teams. Like I think Minnesota this year, probably going to start to be an easier matchup for quarterbacks than it may have been in other years. Mm-hmm. so, you know, this, this is another one. I just want to highlight that gets better. Once you, once you're in week four and week five, you know, it's a lot better than it is in week two and week three.
2: Sure. So we get uh, Mariota um, down there in the bottom two. There's just not enough that Seattle and that slow offense can do to convince me that Geno Smith would be better right. <laughs> than these other guys that we're really debating. Um, you know, I think Mariota's legs are a little bit of a um, a tiebreaker for me here, even though Garoppolo probably has um, you know maybe a more trustworthy floor just because. You know he doesn't have a round three rookie uh, sitting behind him anymore. You know, like Mariota does. If the wheels were to fall off pretty quickly, um, so you know maybe the way to go even would be to pick up both of those guys and just play the matchups week to week. Um, I will say that you know I think uh, Mariota would be my choice here in in the short run. But you're probably going to be making multiple waiver claims on QBs, Alex. Um, uh, the only other question that I see that is. Quarterback related is from Ryan Doan. He says, "Goff or Wentz, rest of season."
3: I think in that equation, um, Wentz wasn't presented yeah. as an option. If he were, I would have said Wentz.
2: Well, this is a different. This is oh, a different. Okay. Uh, yeah, this this is a different um, question yeah. from a different guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm going with Wentz over Goff. Um, rest of season. I mean. Uh, yeah. He's just looked too strong over the first two weeks. I mean, you know, using the information that we have, you know, right now I, I'm going that direction. That sounds like you agree, Dave. Yeah, I do. Okay. Good deal. Uh, anything else you want to hit on quarterback there? Do you want to go over to running back position?
3: No, I think we're good on uh, quarterback. Let's pop over to running back. I know from having uh, looked at this when I, uh, you know, ran the scripts tonight and got these results, there's a couple of interesting guys finding their way into the top 12. So we'll see if you call out the same guys that I saw.
2: Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's dial her up. Um, okay. Oh boy. Actually, yeah. there's, there's a lot of
3: interesting guys this week. It's
2: fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right away, man. Uh, we've got David Montgomery with the highest average, um, outcome. I, I want to do my thing though, man. I want to see what the ceiling looks like this week and then we'll go back to the average. Can I so, ask you
3: to do a favor for us this time? Let's look sure. at the ceiling a little bit differently by looking at a uh, percentage of greater than 25 and see what we get.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Leading the way there, we've got um, Austin Eckler with a 20 in, in his uh, distribution amongst his 50 Sims, uh, 20% of the time. So 10 of those 50 players scored uh, a greater than 25 PPR. We've got Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery and Aaron Jones um, also showing up there amongst other players with a greater, with a 10% or greater, uh, distribution at the the twenty five plus PPR uh, level, we've got AJ Dillon, Clyde edwards E'Laire, Devin Singletary, and Christian McCaffrey rounding out that group of what looks to be nine running backs. It's pretty interesting to see both Green Bay backs in there. You know, I think you know, obviously with them having a common opponent, and um, you know Jones being a little bit more heavy on the receiving usage, but Dillon having a little bit of a higher rushing touchdown rate. It's you know makes sense that both of them. Would show up here. Uh, the tool doesn't necessarily know that they're, um, it knows from uh, usage uh, what their typical volume looks like and their PPR output looks like, but it doesn't necessarily appreciate that they're on the same roster. Right. Um, David Montgomery, you know, uh, he, he, it's hard, it would hard be hard to like bank a lot on his ceiling because the Bears offense just, I mean, you know, week one it's, was it's, just it's so rough, weird. And then last week you know they ran so few plays uh but Montgomery literally was the only bright spot and looked like basically i mean to say he was the focal point of the offense is almost like underselling it I mean he was the whole offense um it is interesting I think to see Nick Chubb with such a a, a such a high number above the twenty five level considering how little receiving work uh right. he gets that that name kind of sticks out to me um as does uh You know, as does Montgomery, were you going to go a different direction or did I hit your guy?
3: No, you you hit them. The other name in there that I don't know if you mentioned was uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think it might be interesting for some people to see up there. Now, one of the things we talked about yesterday, just a note that I had from the games, was that it's looking like this really is his backfield. Definitely a priority treatment for him there. Uh, And I think that you're looking at a player now that until we see anything indicating otherwise is going to be, you know, a solid RB2, maybe flirt with an RB1 performance here and there. So I think it's pretty notable when you start seeing him projecting like this in the GLSP. It's it's been a while since we've seen him reaching these levels. Uh, And like this week, for example, against Indianapolis, he should score 0.6 0.6 touchdowns. Um, I don't know if we've talked about that before, but when you're looking at the different probabilities, that's how you can get at, you know, pieces of a touchdown. But so another nice spot for CEH setting up uh, as we head into week three. So that was another name that stood out. A lot of change in those top 12 this week. So that was pretty fun.
2: So just a couple of things here, you know, as Dave was drilling in uh, to Clyde Edwards, all I was doing to kind of get this focused player view um, where I can see, Uh, his projected stat line along with the breakdowns in PPR, half PPR and standard. I'm just toggling back and forth between the all players tab here um, and the player specific tab. And then if we want to look at this type of view uh, here, we can also go into comparison and show the distribution of two players head to head, which is, you know, a fun, a fun exercise for start sit. So just yep. reminding people how I'm kind of toggling through here. Um, we, uh, Evan says, thanks uh, for doing the show tonight. Good evening fellas. Yeah. Evan, uh, you're super active last week. I'm sure you'll give us some questions tonight. Uh, thanks for tuning in brother. Uh, Jerry Delegati says, did you say that 25 uh, and greater column is always based on PPR scoring. I believe that's correct.
3: Yeah, that is correct. So those thresholds are based on PPR scoring. I guess the thing that I would say, though, is for the overwhelming majority of players, if you look at them comparatively, those comparisons wouldn't change because the players that you're going to be looking at, for example, in the top tier of wide receivers are gonna have relatively similar receptions in that week. So it wouldn't really shift the needle too much if you're comparing players. That makes yeah, sense, good. Curtis.
2: Yeah, it does. Okay. Good um, good breakdown. Um, okay, so let's go through these running backs, you know, a little bit more. Yep. Um, and let's let's talk about you know, high-end players that also have some low floors. Um, you know, that this is interesting analysis for uh, DFS purposes, and it, it, this can also be an interesting, you know, way to break some ties in terms of start sit. Uh, depending on what your lineup looks like in a particular week, you know, honing in on Nick Chubb, he's got the third highest uh, distribution of scores above twenty five, but then he has a twenty six percent distribution in the five to ten range, and twenty six percent in the ten to fifteen range as well. And when you factor in the eight percent under. Five. We're talking a 60 uh, percent yep. chance, uh, or a sixty percent history uh, with his uh, fifty closest sims of scoring less than fifteen PPR. It's not really what you're looking for um, when you're trying to get excited about a ceiling. Too, you know, you kind of have to look at the the whole distribution. You know, in yep. in comparison, you know, to a player like Eckler who has a, a similar ceiling, but a much higher uh, floor this week with just just 22% versus 34% of his being on the low end.
3: Yeah, and this makes sense when you think about the type of players that these players are, because what the GLSP is is showing if you were to start combing through those 50 results is that a lot of Chubbs matches that scored well naturally had some rushing touchdowns. When they didn't have those rushing touchdowns, they're not catching a lot of passes. They aren't able to get to that floor that Eckler would have without finding the end zone.
2: So let's, let's just go back to the, the PPR average here and kind of round out the running back position. If, if anybody that's tuning in on YouTube has any more running back questions, now's your time to get them in because we're going to keep moving on to wide receivers here in a moment. Um, let's just go through the top 15 here because people always are so interested in the running back position. Again, David Montgomery with the top projection uh, from an average perspective at the running back position this week. Uh, followed by Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, and Nick Chubb. That's the top five. Uh, moving into the six to ten range, we have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, James Conner, uh, who, you know, is probably uh, not going to be available. So you have to consider uh, Damien. You, you have to watch uh, here for Darrell Williams or, you know, Benjamin, see what the team uh, does and you can you know use a little information from James Conner's uh, projection here? Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, C.E.H., Devin Singletary, Christian McCaffrey, Antonio Gibson, and Najee Harris rounding out the top fifteen. Alex has one more running back question here. He says, "How do we handle the Dolphins' backfield this week? Can we play either of Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds?" Um, I have my thoughts, Dave. Do you want to chime in first? <laughs>
3: Uh, This is the type of question I don't even want to have to 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 ponder this one, but I guess um, I would say that uh, Mostert, I actually, even though this, all right, right, they're playing Buffalo. So this feels like a game where you would say, all right, well, you know, maybe they have to get that production out of Edmonds in the passing game. Uh, If I were forced to play one of the two, though, I think I actually would lean Mostert. We'll see if that lines up with you. Well,
2: let's let's take a look. So um, this is a situation that's you know going to be very game specific uh, in a committee backfield. And one thing that that I like to do when making this type of tough decision, Alex, is go to our Rotoviz NFL Stat Explorer. And in that tool, there's a matchup analysis tab. You can get into the specifics of the game and see uh, what various players have done against that defense. You can start to kind of get a type of who has. Uh, produced against that defense or whether anyone actually has. Now, this should be updated tomorrow um, with the week two data. It's lagging a little bit because of the Monday night game uh, that Buffalo played in. And that is the defense that Chase Edmonds going up against. So check back tomorrow. We've only got the L.A. Rams here in here. And obviously, Buffalo has invested in their defense. But you can still uh, get a little bit of direction here. When I look at the top RB scores against Buffalo, the last five games. And so in this sample it would include the final four games of 2021. When it updates tomorrow it would just be three games from 2021 and two from 2022. We've got Leonard Fournette with a 23.2 PPR game. We've got Damian Harris with a 28.3 PPR game. And you know, the, the other three backs in there just sprinkling 12 to 15 points, uh, Amir Abdullah, Daryl Henderson being two of those three. And then you get Mike Davis uh, from Atlanta, who just had an eight carry uh, game against Buffalo for 12 points. When I think about the similarities of the backs, you know, Damian Harrison, Lenny Fournette, the the biggest two of those backs in the pounders, you know, teams that were maybe either able to impose their will against uh, Buffalo or slow that game down in New England's case. Um, You know, if Miami were to try to, keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, I actually think that would happen at the hands of, of Mostert, not Edmonds. Right. Um, so you have to kind of figure out what you think is going to happen in this game, Alex. If you think that Miami's going to keep it close um, and um, get, get ahead and slow it down, I mean, Mostert is the guy that they would ride. And we saw the committee flip a little bit, even in week two, uh, to that point. But if you think Buffalo comes out and continues to just dominate like they've been dominating, you know. I would expect Edmonds to be the guy that's in there in that trailing game script, um, racking up the receptions. And uh, so I think you can feel good about honestly starting both of them. The one thing that's nice is this game is going to have a very high uh, point total, and it's you know highly possible that both of these guys could find their way to a touchdown. You know, regardless of um, what that script looks like at various points of the game. T- to me, th- they're both low end. RB2 flex type players. Um, so, you know, ho- hopefully that helps. I think you can play them both. The question was, can you play either? So I would say, yes, you can. Um, and then Francis also had a question about Mostert. How are you viewing his uh, Mostert's start ability and half PPR? You know, with everything, it's the opportunity cost of choosing Mostert versus, you know, the other player in the lineup. So without knowing your options, it's kind of hard to answer. Um, I think Raheem Mostert is a highly startable player in any format because his ceiling's so high, and you know this high-flying uh, Miami offense from from week to week, and we still haven't seen the true explosion. You know it's coming as long as he stays healthy.
3: Yeah, I think I would have Mostert down um, in, in flex territory. So maybe I'm not quite as strong as you, but I think going back to the original yeah. question, I'm feeling better about Mostert this week than I am Edmonds. Both of them, though, are still players that can get into yeah. lineups.
2: Sequential equilibrium (laughs) says (laughs) too many RB two options. You know, if if you got too many RB twos, you got no RB twos. That's, you know, half PPR league, Michael Carter, Devin Singletary, Jeff Wilson, Ramondre Stevenson, Melvin Gordon. Okay. You can't start Ramondre or Melvin Gordon right now based off of their roles. So let's just cross them off uh, right now. And then, so we're really honing in on Michael Carter, Devin Singletary and Jeff Wilson. You know, with the news about TDP not being available, I think even more, and and the shift from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo, Jeff Wilson is going to have that backfield pie uh, to himself other than what Debo Samuel will continue to get. So he's really interesting. I think he has the most bankable role. Um, And in half PPR, you know, I think his likelihood of touchdown versus a Singletary or Carter, where Carter is competing with Brees Hall, who did get the short goal line target, uh, in week two against uh, Cleveland, scoring his first NFL touchdown, and Devin Singletary fighting with Zach Moss and Josh Allen for those same types of touches. I'm going Jeff Wilson here, um, and if you got to start two of the guys, I think uh, Carter would be my number two choice there. Playing against the Bengals, you know that game could set up for him to get some receptions.
3: Yeah, I think that I wouldn't disagree with you there. I think Wilson's definitely in there. It'd be down to Singletary um or carter and the final piece of that question was who should i look to move i don't think you look to move any of those guys i think you need that whole group
2: yeah and i'm not sure you know at this point i'm not sure how movable any of those those players are you've got to really wait for one of them to pop to even kind of have that conversation yep so dave let's transition over to the wide receiver group um well, uh how do you want to start? How do you want to evaluate ceiling here? You want to go at the twenty-five and above, or do you want to do our percentile exercise? i let's, I'm, let's I'm pop back highly to percent. flexible.
3: Let's we'll go back to percentiles. <laughs> we'll go back to percentiles.
2: Okay. So this is this is a fun I, I mean the wide receivers are fun this week, man, because there were a lot of really cool performances last week that are already starting to inform. Um, what the top of this list looks like with some, some rookies and some other kind of undersung guys that are uh, part of the, the narrative of the first two weeks of the season already. So Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson being at the top, no surprises there. Amonra St. Brown, you know, just continues to uh, just, you know, scorch the fantasy landscape, you know, every week. You know, he's, he's a high volume uh, producer. You know, he's basically, you know, early career Jarvis Landry, just complete target hog and not going away anytime soon. Uh re- really love what he's brought to the table. Garrett Wilson, man. <laughs> wide receiver 4 was ceiling this week, man. After that explosion uh ag- against Cleveland last week and you know, ice in the game, you know, he's looking like he's going to be an early career alpha and uh, you know, this GLSP app agrees. Greg Dortch <laughs> with the, the fifth highest ceiling, yeah. I dude, mean, the numbers are this, there,
3: which is crazy about Dortch. We talked yeah. about him a little bit yesterday, but if you look at yeah. what he's been doing at this point, you really can't ignore it. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens when yeah. Hopkins gets back, but Rondell Moore, you know, who knows what's going on there. Dortch has a role carved out now, and I think it's going to continue.
2: Gosh, man. I- we need to see Rondell Moore. Okay. We just need to see, uh, this is, uh, this is frustrating, man. This was the time when he was supposed to come yep. in and cement himself and, you know, Dorch and Hollywood have kind of just, you know, they, they're both there doing their thing. You know, I really thought this early season stuff would be, you know, really consolidated under Hollywood Brown. Um, but we even saw Zach Ertz take a little bit more of a forward uh, step in, in week two. So I think the Cardinals are starting to be a uh, shape up as a death by a thousand paper cuts operation until uh, Hopkins and maybe more come back. But, man, if you're looking for some cheap ceiling uh, and I don't even know that Dorch is, is still uh, even 50 percent, you know, owned uh, in casual yeah. leagues yet. He's certainly still out there. Um, and, and his DFS price will not have caught up with the ceiling, obviously. Rounding out the top 15, the wide receiver position, we've got Jamar Chase, who had a disappointing week too. Mike Evans, who is not available, so you got to keep that in mind unless oh, yeah. his appeal uh, right. goes through. Um, I You know, what I think is interesting here, uh, totally different type of player, but somebody that should, I, I feel like we have to mention, the team signed Cole Beasley, and he'll be activated on Sunday. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he could have an early early role, and he would be a sneaky add if you are desperate at wide receiver already. Christian Kirk, who's been awesome this season so far. Michael Pittman, if healthy, looks to have a, a good projection from a ceiling perspective, uh, perspective here. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Adams, Drake London, another rookie popping in here. And then uh, wide receivers 13 through 15 in the tool. Tyler Lockett, T. Higgins, and Tyree kill anybody else that you want to point out there, or do you want to start looking at, at some floor or some sneaky plays from your article that drops
3: tomorrow? Yeah, no, we can continue along, but I just do want to call out here. Um, Garrett Wilson hitting that high in the GLSP already. The only thing I have to say about that is if you are playing in any dynasty leagues, go out and try to get Garrett Wilson somehow.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, he, you know, the team, I, I think the reason he's still potentially gettable is he, I don't want to steer, yeah, I don't want to steer this episode towards a, a whole dynasty conversation right now. But, um, you know, he, he wasn't for most people in that tier, you know, with Drake London and Traylon Burks. Uh, in the consideration for like you know the the one two or or one three in rookie drafts this season, he seemed kind of like the consolation after Jameson Williams' uh, injury occurred. It's like ah, I guess you know it's at that point where we'll take Garrett Wilson now. Um, some of the similarities between him and Elijah Moore, the questions about the New York uh, quarterback position, and so for him to come out and do this with Joe Flacco, when Elijah Moore was the entrenched player that already had some rapport with Flacco from last season, it is really interesting and uh you know it, it, good players are good you know that it just goes to show you is not special at this point in his career but you know Wilson's certainly helping him uh you know look look like a a better than replacement level quarterback uh through two weeks of the season um so yeah I, I would agree Dave I think you can go out and go out and get Wilson you know maybe somebody who didn't really love him uh would feel like they're selling high right now
3: for sure So if we continue along, Curtis, and just look at some wide receivers that are worth calling out, Uh, Tyler Boyd looking like a wide receiver three this week. I think he's a player that people might be wondering if he gets into flex or into their wide receiver three spot. And, uh, you know, another player, too, that we could talk about after would be Josh Reynolds coming off of a decent game. So another Detroit player that we're talking about. But uh, to focus on Boyd for a second here, you know, not as much upside as you might be looking for in your spot but a very strong distribution between 10 to 15 with 34 percent of his matches landing in that territory so though there's not the upside that's actually a significant uh you know amount of hits in that 10 to 15 range there uh you know as you talked about earlier in that cincinnati jets matchup that we're gonna see should probably get around six targets maybe 50 yards uh that's what the glsp likes him for
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, obviously anytime you're talking about a piece of the Bengals offense, there's a a chance, you know, a decent chance for a touchdown and, you know, Boyd did get in the end zone, you know, last week. So uh, not sure about T Higgins full level of health and, you know, with, with Burrow, not having literally any time to throw slash potentially being, you know, part of the problem with the sack equation uh, you could certainly see him, you know, preferring to check down to Boyd, maybe even more frequently in, in the weeks to come, you know, while they still try to figure out their passing game moving forward. Uh, don't mind that at all. Uh, we did get a, a couple of wide receiver yep. questions that we can hit here before we go to the tight end position. Joe Miller says, Which of the three, which three of the following four wide receivers would you rather have rest of season in a non PPR league? Um, my first response is I would rather just quit this non-PPR league um but <laughs> let's answer the question because Joe's obviously uh, pot committed at this point Drake London Michael Thomas CD Lamb and Cortland Sutton and why um okay so I, I think for for me this would be Drake London CD Lamb and Cortland Sutton uh I, I think you know London now through two weeks, and specifically in week two, uh, looking like the primary option in Atlanta over Kyle Pitts early. Um, looks like he could really post a big target numbers. Uh, CD Lamb uh, looking better with the backup than he did with Dak. I'm not sure what that's all about, but um, he he reinstilled a little bit of confidence for me in the Dallas offense um, last week. Cortland Sutton you know, with the, the questions around Judy's end, uh, injury and also uh, becoming a little bit more clear that he is Russell Wilson's preferred target, even though the Denver offense looks out of sync. I mean, these are all players that, you know, we believed in heavily, you know, before the season. Michael Thomas did have, you know, the pair of touchdowns in week one, but the Saints offense is one where it, it doesn't, it looks almost like there's no one that's going to be a true superstar and it could be a little bit of a different guy each week. Chris Olave is going to be a problem for Thomas at some point down the road. I mean, he had over 300 air yards uh, in week two. Like I've, I can't even remember the last time I saw a number like that. Um, But I think Olave is going to hit at some point. And when, when that happens and the saints really drill into their, uh, their deeper passing game, their vertical attack, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, I expect to kind of cannibalize each other. Um, whereas I, I don't think that that same opportunity exists really for any of the other three guys save maybe for London, but Atlanta is using, uh, Pitts as an inline blocker. He hasn't caught a single ball on the perimeter yet. And I'm not sure why they would, uh, change that unless, you know, the, there's a lot of GM pressure on coach Arthur Smith. So those are my three of four. Dave, with some of the reasoning, any other reasoning that you would want to add? And would you prefer MT over one of the three guys that I mentioned?
3: No, I wouldn't. I guess just the final thought that I would have there is, yeah, you know, Thomas had the three touchdowns, which helps him out at the start of the season. But I still think the other three guys are players that we can expect to still be ascending. Uh, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Thomas, that might not be so much the case. So I'd rather have those three with hopes that they, you know, have a big break, which I think it's going to look like Drake London's going to continue to get better as the season moves along. So I may, uh, you know, right in line with you there.
2: Okay. We have a, uh, let's see here. I think I've got one more, uh, two more wide receiver questions and then we'll move on. Francis says, would it be smart to roster someone like Will Fuller right now? speculative but feels like lots of teams are wide receiver needy could save some waiver dollars six deep bench drop someone like Kyle Phillips for him uh for example um you know Will Fuller I think is good enough to play in the league I think he's he's probably still better than a lot of guys that are out there on rosters but you know for whatever reason he's got scarlet letter um it's, it's it's you know I with a six-deep bench, I mean, that's not a deep bench. Um, you know, that's a pretty standard redraft bench. I don't think you can justify rostering Fuller. you know, the hope would be that he would sign with somebody like Cole Beasley just did and land somewhere. I think if that happens, then you can just feel like, you know, at in that week, go aggressive with the waiver dollars. Um, there are probably players that are more likely to produce for you that are out there. Um, you know, I understand the idea of maybe dropping someone like Kyle Phillips for, you know, just kind of churning the, the low end of your roster. But I would be, um, I, I would, I mean, I would rather roster Cole Beasley, for example, that we're already talking about than Will Fuller right now. You know, he's on a roster, right. you know, he, he, he landed in a good situation with, with a quarterback that, you know, needs a target like him. Um, so I, I think it's a fair question. It's one that probably a lot of people have. I'm just not bothering rostering Will Fuller anywhere, but except in my, you know, deeper dynasty leagues.
3: Yeah. Kind of a macro thought here just to, you know, take away from the specifics of this, but I kind of view those roster spots on your bench. That's kind of like your inventory. Inventory is not something that you want to have built up for a long period of time. You want to be able to use that. So I'd rather have somebody like Sterling Shepard or anybody like that that could be available uh, on my roster than waiting for Will Fuller to be able to contribute.
2: Yeah, that's a great name, man. Um, Sequential equilibrium back with one more question. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, obviously not startable, but is he droppable or still a hold? I think if your hand is forced and you need somebody that you can play this week, I think you can justify dropping him. Um, I would prefer to still hang on a little bit if you can, uh, because I do think that Aaron Rodgers will figure it out with this passing attack in Green Bay. Um, and if it is Dobbs that hits rather than, you know, Lazard or Christian Watson, uh, you're going to, whoever that guy is, you're going to want to have, um, it might take us a couple more weeks, but you know, if you don't have to cut him, you know, don't cut him. I mean, Dave, you see it the same or have a different take.
3: Um, I guess I would say that, uh, he's droppable. I don't think he's a hold, but this is in the context of I say that because I think that there's probably players out there on the waiver wire that could be more usable for your team at the moment. If you don't need bodies, then sure you could hold on to them. But I, I would have no problem if somebody dropped him.
2: Yeah, for me, it's if you're dropping them for for points that you need this week, that, that would be the only justification. Yep. I my my strategy in redraft is my my bench, um, my bench is really I'm churning it, trying to find additional source of potential upside. Yeah, and you know, Dobbs would still fit that that description. Um, let's move on to to tight ends, and then if we have a couple minutes at the end, maybe we will come back to some of these other questions that have been sprinkled. It's been a, it's been a great uh, chat yeah, tonight. So awesome. those of you that are those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, if if you're liking the show tonight and you want to see some of the visuals and participate in the chat, get one of your questions answered. Just a reminder you know we'll be doing this show on Tuesday nights for the balance of the season um, you can watch right along there on YouTube or if you prefer to watch on the Twitter sphere uh, we typically are streaming this both from the Rodoviz account and my uh, account as well at C Patrick NFL so let's go over to the tight end position we'll go back over to all players you know this is probably the least interesting position for this exercise because there are so few players that um, <laughs> create good sim groups uh, at this position. Uh, we've got Travis Kelsey at the top here from an average perspective. You know, very far and away clear from the tight end two this week. Who would be Dalton Schultz again? You know, we need to monitor that uh, knee situation. I tend to think that he'll play, um, but if he, you know, there, there's he's not locked in. So if you're Dalton Schultz owner, you do need to be aware that you might want to have a backup option on hand this week. Mark Andrews the tight end three, TJ Hawkinson the tight end four. Uh, followed by Dallas Goddard, Logan Thomas, Tyler Conklin, Zach Ertz, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram, and Noah Fant round out the top 12 this week. I'm kind of surprised that Gerald Everett isn't a little bit higher um, after the first two weeks that we've seen from him. Maybe we just need a larger sample, or maybe uh, the GLSP you know, likes uh, other positions. You know, We did see Justin Herbert scoring pretty favorably. So, and Austin Eckler as well. So it's possible that, you know, Everett just not getting um, the meat on the bone uh, there this week, Dave.
3: Yeah, it's a hard one for me to pinpoint um, exactly why so many of the matches would be coming in so low. Uh, The only thing I can think about here is you have the potential of, of the particular opponent in the matchup this week, factoring in, um, But I think that this is one of those where if I have Everett, I'm a lot more interested in starting him, regardless of what the GLSP is saying, just by the way that the Charters have been playing and what we saw last week.
2: Uh, Looking at some of the other guys, um, you know, Goddard, you know, kind of popping here lately. Logan Thomas has been a little bit of a surprise, you know, and of course, we already talked a lot about Carson Wentz in this episode. Nobody else really sticking out. Uh, you know, we did see Irv Smith score a touchdown on Monday night. He also had, you know, a pretty terrible drop. So kind of have to monitor that situation to see if he can, uh, you know, rest away some target share from Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne moving forward. Evan Ingram uh, has been a little bit more consistent uh, than I would have figured uh, he would have been. Um, so, you know, that's another situation to monitor. Nobody else really standing out here. Does anybody have a, a tight end question? Uh, if you do, drop it in the chat or we will get back to uh, the other positions here as we wrap up the show. Richie Laura asks, what tight end should I target on the waiver wire? I have Dawson Knox. Uh, do you think I should pick one up? Well, it depends on you know who's available. Um, you know that's, that, that's the tough piece. Uh, tight end is, is a little bit of a tricky position. The, the guy that pops for me a little bit, um, might be Harrison Bryant. It looks like uh, he's got a little bit over an edge versus David Njoku and uh, the way the team you know, used him here most recently in week two. Um, Hayden Hurst might still not be uh, universally owned and he would probably be my preference. It just depends on you know the type of league that you're in and how many tight ends are, are typically rostered. Those would be two names to, to check out. Uh, Robert Tunyon, um seems to be resurfacing a little bit in green bay as well anybody else that you would want to mention dave at tight end uh, as a potential streamer
3: um you know i i think that you hit a lot of the names that i would mention if i'm thinking about deeper leagues um you know if this is a league where there's many guys available if somebody like hayden hurst uh, and, and sorry you might even have mentioned that name i was yeah. checking out something yeah. that yeah, I was I was looking at something in the back end of the tool here. I wanted to to take a look at. So, I, have, I mentioned her. I, I, I mentioned, mentioned Hurst as a priority. Right okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mentioned Hurst as a priority, and then followed by Harrison Bryant as more of a desperation guy.
3: Got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything anything to add right now.
2: Okay. Well, Richie, if you're rotoviz.com um, subscriber, you can kind of come in here and and find some of the players. In the game level similarity projection tool, other things that would help you maybe get onto a player that you could pick up, you could get into that strength of schedule streaming app and just look for a team that has a good matchup, um, and you know just stream that tight end, you know, hoping that you know even though the the two week sample that we have so far hasn't looked great, maybe for some of these guys in the waiver wire, maybe the matchup will be enough to to drive a fluky touchdown um, or you know some garbage time production, even though it might not typically be scripted in the offense, Jerry Delagati says, (coughs) tell me Pitts is going to be okay. Um, Pitts is going to be okay from a dynasty perspective. I mean, it's going to eventually work because either the Falcons are going to crash and burn and somebody else will come in and see what the guy is. Uh, or, you know, perhaps the GM will, you know, like I, uh, mentioned earlier, perhaps there will be some pressure from the GM to use him appropriately, but I can't tell you in the near term that he's going to be okay. You know, uh, the squeaky wheel does tend to get the grease, but you know, I think the Falcons are concerned with winning. Arthur Smith seems like a no-nonsense guy that's going to kind of do it his way. Um, you know, enough losses will will force some change, but you know, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I wouldn't feel like I don't feel like Kyle Pitts offers you an edge at the tight end position uh, in Week Three, for example, this upcoming week. Uh, to the degree that you thought he would when when you drafted him, probably in the third round of your fantasy draft. So that's the best I can do to answer that one. Do you have any more hope for Pitts in the near term, Dave, than I do?
3: I probably had less hope than you did <laughs>
2: before the season even started. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. like,
3: uh, my take on on Pitts is, you know, he does get back to being usable at some week, um, but I think him getting close to justifying. Around two no. ADP is is you know very very yeah. unlikely at this point.
2: Here here's what the the GLSP app says about Kyle Pitts for week three specifically. Uh, by the um, way, I'm just
3: going to interject for anybody looking. Uh, the team, and opponent here, uh, I believe I need to update for this week, but the numbers uh, are accurate. Like they're yeah, they're the going to be they're going to be playing
2: Seattle. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I
3: just need to flip that over. But the actual yeah. projection is based upon the Seattle game, not the Rams game.
2: Yeah, and with, with that in mind, 86% of the 50 closest Sims for Kyle Pitts in week three had fewer than 10 PPR. Um, so that would be in line with what we've seen so far. So unfortunately, Jerry, I can't tell you that he's going to be okay this week. Um, you know, hopefully he can wreck this for uh, future (laughs) distribution sake and, and, and break the mold and and post greater than 15 uh, PPR. Um, But, you know, I, I think you're, you're in wait and see mode. Um, But unfortunately with Pitts, you know, you're still probably starting him because you're not going to have a higher upside option, probably available to on the waiver wire. And most likely, most probably you did not draft a tight end to, or waited a long time to do so, because of what you invested in Pitts at the, the top end of your draft. So um, Dave, anything else that you want to hit from a week two projection perspective? I think we've got to most of the uh, realistic questions in the chat that we can answer. Oh, here's a, here's one final fun one. Uh, Cause I think a lot of people uh, would be interested in these two names who uh, Joe Miller asks, who would you rather have rest of season in a non PPR league, James Robinson or Brees? Paul,
3: you want me to answer first? I'll take it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would rather have Brees Hall. I think that James Robinson is looking like he's going to be fairly usable at this point. I think Brees Hall could be fairly usable, but the heights that Brees Hall could reach and that I still think there's a pretty good chance he's going to reach because we wouldn't necessarily have seen that just through two weeks are much higher than what they would look like for James Robinson. Uh, Some of this could depend on the context of your team, but for me in the overwhelming majority of scenarios, I would rather have Brees Hall at this point.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, Uh, I I think Hall is the most talented back uh, in New York. He profiles like a bell cow, you know, one little injury to Michael Carter. And, you know, it's possible that that, the the look and feel of that committee totally changes, you know, moving forward. Um, When you look at Jacksonville, it's, I mean, how can you not root for James Robinson and what he's doing? I mean, it's really incredible just from, like a science and uh, athleticism <laughs> perspective. Um, and, and the team, you know, seems to, they're kind of almost using Robinson and uh, ETN like the Cowboys up until this year had used Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. It's like, you know, the, the, for, from, a, from a talent perspective and a skill set perspective, it's like, you know, for fantasy, it'd be so much more interesting for us if ETN was getting all of that work, but they're really using it more in a change of pace role um and you know there's no reason to expect that that'll that change because Robinson's actually like like been good. He hasn't just been getting, you know, cheap uh touches, cheap touchdowns, uh cheap touchdowns, like he actually looks pretty good and reasonably explosive. So um, you know, I think that he'll hold on to that, but I do expect that that ETN uh will will out target him over the, the balance of the year. And even in a non PPR league, you know, that's extra yardage, extra downs, high value downs. Um, you know, that he's going to be in on versus, you know, Robinson, you got to hope for the right game script for him to continue to, to get fed. Um, I think Hall, because of his size, his ability uh, as, as a runner, and the fact that he is getting receiving usage, he just has a more complete situation. And at some point I think his ceiling will hit and it's just going to be a lot higher than J-Rob. So uh, you might have to be a little bit patient, um, like if, if this is a trade, if this is like a trade question, that's being presented as not really a trade question and you have the opportunity to move James Robinson for Brees Hall, I would say, you know, you do that, but you also have to understand that, you know, for the next couple of weeks, you know, you might, it might feel like you didn't win the trade. Okay, Dave, I'm going to turn the screen off. We're, we're here for final thoughts, man. Um, through two weeks, it's been a, a, a pretty fun ride uh for us so far our main event teams that we drafted uh both recovered after crushing week 1 losses uh we're back in the win column in week 2 so maybe we can do a check in uh for the listeners on Thursday for both of those squads i saw some just absolutely bonkers scores across the best ball portfolio um, because of all the wide receiver pops that we had in week two. Well, I have I mean, some it, Tua, yeah. Tyreek Hill, yeah.
3: uh, Jalen Waddle stats. <laughs> oh, oh, man. my 250 Lord. points, bro. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, uh, but it, yeah, interestingly nuts. enough, one of those teams actually is not uh, in first place. I forget. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is which is wild. But yeah, so fun stuff there. Yeah, just a lot of... Also, I was talking last night just about how good some of these games have been so far, too, which has been really fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it feels like we're headed for, you know, another really exciting fantasy season. Uh, we're grateful to all the, the listeners and, and watchers um, tuning in to this episode. We hope that you found a lot of value here as you plan your week three attack. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, with some passing game data uh, to help you further plan your weekend, specifically at the wide receiver and tight end positions, as well as a little bit of DFS prep. And uh, be sure, if you are a rotaviz.com subscriber, to check out Dave's piece on projections, highlighting some interesting players. Maybe we talked about them tonight. Maybe we didn't. You'll have to find out on the site. And if you're not a subscriber, of course, you can go to rotaviz.com and change that uh, right after the episode. If you've been watching us on YouTube, I will add, uh Calm Kelly would probably scold me if I didn't say we need you to like this video yes. and subscribe to Have the to channel. No, you gotta like it and subscribe, baby. Well, uh, wait, 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 don't, don't,
3: wait, <laughs> wait. This isn't even just if you're watching on YouTube. If you are a podcast <laughs> yeah. listener and you've been sure. with us throughout sure. the summer into the start of the season, it would be great if you could go onto YouTube when the time permits, type in Roto video whatever in the search, find it, subscribe, go back, like every video, you know, maybe just let it, you know, oh my play through some of the videos here, help us out in that algorithm. <laughs> Dave. Yeah.
2: Dave's crawling on his hands and knees across the floor. Listen, I'm I not never gonna beg. do it. Is-
3: we don't do it that much. <laughs> nah. We're not like the, you know, every YouTube video starts off with the person going through their whole like and subscribe thing. You know, we don't want to do that. We're saving it till the end of the episode. We won't do this well. much more.
2: Realistically, we'll probably start doing that at the top. Okay, yeah. I'm just <laughs> realistically, we probably will start doing that. But um, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beg you to do it. I'm just saying, you know, if you haven't done it, you should do it. It's good content. You're watching it. Uh, there's tons of other cool stuff on the YouTube channel that uh, you may have not been tuned into uh, from a podcast perspective. Maybe you're not uh, subscribed to Rodeviz uh, Radio, and you're subscribed to Dave and I's. Um, uh, Apple podcast channel specifically for this podcast, you may be missing on some content that you weren't aware even existed. So that's reason enough to go out and check out the YouTube. Um, thanks for tuning in tonight. We will be back recording on Thursday night with a Friday morning post. Uh, until then, uh, this has been Dave and Curtis on the road of his fantasy football podcast.